Welcome back, everybody, to the lock-in. Not the lockdown, as Dara decided to call it on social media all last week, actually. The lock-in, Dara. I think the lock-in's a pretty crap name. Because <laughs> locked, locked, lockdown is, tw- is trending all over Twitter. Nobody even knows what a lock-in is unless they're Irish and alcoholic. I miss lock-in. Speaking of which, <laughs> we are overjoyed to welcome somebody who would know what a lock-in was, and I'm sure it's been part of many a lock-in over the years. Neil Farrell, we had to call for reinforcements. Our second episode didn't do as well as our first. Oh, wow. Okay, well, this one's going to do even worse, so this will be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a production meeting. We said, obviously, like, Chip Race normally gets fifteen to 20,000. Last episode of Locking got 250. So oh, well, okay. the problem is I think people can see our faces, so we need somebody pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> try and get that number under 200. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah then, we can, then we can just quit. We don't have to do it. <laughs> well, I want to dive straight into a couple of recent tweets from you, Neil. Um you said recently, I want to get this one right, lockdown beginning to affect my play. Today I voluntarily put money in on the river without the nuts after an MTT reg, elected to bet more than the pot. What a stone cold fucking idiot I am. You said in your strategy segment on our show two episodes ago that most players under bluff or maybe the vast majority of players under bluff. Is this an extension of that, that they also under over bet bluff? Yeah. It's just I don't know, man. I've been playing online. Like this is the first time in years that I've played online semi regularly again, and I just fucking hate everyone. Like <laughs> it's just like you hear about like you're playing a hand against some guy. And you're like, oh wow, he's been doing really well recently. Maybe he's been playing. You know, like he's been in the lab working really hard. I'm going to call this over a bit here. I've got a good hand to call. Oh no, he just has a fucking nuts again. Like it's just some fucking lucky idiot, as it always has been. It's like. <laughs> And I'm just, everything's, you know, lock, the, the old lock-in the old lock slash lockdown situation is uh, it's making me slightly tetchy at this point. So I'm just... And how do you feel about how online has changed? Like, obviously, there's a lot more PKOs now. Um... I, I mean, I, I don't like PKOs. I think they're a bit of a circus. Um, but that's what, that's what the, the fish want to play, I think. Uh, as the numbers show um, so you have to play them but it's just like there's nothing more tilting than like getting to a final table and fucking 40% of the prize pool has been given out to morons in level 1 like <laughs> come on just fucking like there's just like you know there's just some fucking random guy that's finished like 208 who's going to get the same payout as the guy that finished 28th you know um, nah I mean it's, it is what it is it's just you know I prefer I prefer the classic, you know, the Cadillac of poker, no limit Texas Hold'em. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to adapt, don't you? It's um, it's just adapt one of those things, really. Yeah. Well, Dara, you're obviously playing an awful lot more online at the moment. I think you said in the last episode that you're playing pretty much every day as opposed to maybe five days a week and probably putting in longer sessions at that. Have you noticed any tendencies with all these new players about? Yeah, I mean... Uh... I, I actually did a did a webinar on this recently, and there was a there was a thing I wrote years ago about the really bad things that live players do, um, and essentially what's happened is they've moved across onto online now. <laughs> All these people are suddenly playing online, and they're doing exactly the same stuff that they do live, except even more so because there's no shame factor of doing something really stupid and looking stupid. So yeah, you're seeing all sorts of funky stuff like the six X's back in vogue. The 
uh, people are just losing their mind. There's just sort of the mad randomness as well, where people just decide a switch goes off in their brain and they're making a move. So they turn up in a situation where like, it's a horrible spot to bluff. They have a horrible hand to do it with. Uh, and yet somehow they've decided this is a spot that they're, that, that they're going to uh, check raise a hundred big blinds over your two big blind C bet uh, on, on the flop. So there's also some weirdness going on. Um, where is this? <laughs> Give me some of that. Unibet poker, yeah. I think, Neil. That's, that's yeah, well, you, oh, Unibet said pick it. Yeah, no, I'm going yeah. to be getting in the mix with Unibet because you've got the, the the one case stuff coming up, right? Yeah, we have the one K with the uh, the online series coming up as well. So yeah. uh, it's going to be big. For... It'll be a handful of decent sized. Uh, side events to that one as well so jump in for sure next tweet of yours neil been a while since i've woke up fully clothed at 4 30 and not known which 4 30 it <laughs> is but here we are uh explain uh on saturday night i i joined some of my my uh mates for a zoom quiz uh so just mates from home basically and decided i'd have a couple beers and then a couple beers turned into everything i could find um Here's a bottle of rum that I drank, uh, still sitting here <laughs> from from the Zoom room, and yeah, I just I I'm actually not because there's no bars like believe it. I'm not, you know, I, I don't really drink that much at home. Like I, it's very social for me. So it's like I've maybe had I've maybe drank two nights during this whole lockdown, um. So I got pretty drunk pretty quick, and uh, ended. I woke up. And it's quite light at 4 a.m. just now. So it could have been the afternoon as well. And it was uh, my girlfriend was turning off all the lights in my room. <laughs> and because uh, I'm in the spare room just now because the baby's in the main room. Uh, and he's commandeered my entire bed space. So, <laughs> well, um, so I woke up and I, I, jet, she's, I, I was like, what time is it? She's like 4.30. And I genuinely for I could not tell you which one it was at that point. But it was 4.30 in the morning. So that was fucking great. <laughs> Uh, well, this yeah. is nicely, Neil, to your fantastic Irish Open streams, which I think it's fair to say were not a sober affair. Um, your colleague over at No Limit GG, Alex Montevani, is on the show this week, and he says that he thinks you're one of the best streamers out there. And I was just wondering how you would categorize a Feraldo stream. Um, <laughs> I think it's just like there's some reasonable strat elements but like if you're gonna watch a strat stream i'd rather watch like goose core or something you know because he's a lot better at poker than i am and he's gonna be playing some high stakes cash and stuff i'm gonna be playing like not like super super high stakes, like up to like 1ks and stuff online i'm not gonna be like streaming 10k online tournaments or anything um but it's like there's some reasonable strategy but it's mostly just kind of there's like a lot of interaction so it's kind of just i'm chilling with everyone that's in the chat and they'll act they'll like there's a bit of banter in the chat and a bit of poker and can i just like i don't know it's someone who's decent at poker playing and you can chat to them and ask them shit and stuff like that and i'll have a few beers and depends you know but the irish open i did the irish open stream and it was pretty fun and uh for most of my streams i'm not really drinking though um unless it's like a special occasion or something so <laughs> it's just my charming personality and is the main draw i think <laughs> well there is a slightly strange subject i wanted to bring up this week which is you mentioned there your son commandeering the uh the the, the, the baby or the, the the main room and at the moment uh, my son has reached the point now where he is um 
he's being potty trained. And I, I would have given anything for Sharon not to decide to do it now while we're in lockdown. Although I guess it kind of makes sense because you're kind of trapped at home. But yeah. it makes for what she described on Twitter to me as the grimmest game of hide and seek at certain <laughs> points in the day. As you're just wandering around wondering where it is. Because it has to be somewhere because there was evidence of something happening. Oh, God. Got a so lot you've got that to look forward to. I'm hoping the lockdown's lifted by then, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, at the moment, it's pretty good. He's just, he's pretty chill. I mean, he has, he won't sleep in the cot. So he's just, he is just in my bed and that is his bed now. So, hmm. yeah, um, I think that lasts about what, 16 years, Dara? Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'm in the spare room all the time. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's not too, too bad, actually, because, like, from a selfish point of view, um, Idea gets up and like if he gets up and he's hungry, Idea feeds him, you know, so I can actually sleep through the night. So it's not too bad on that count. But I mean, he has just stole my bed, so we will have that words. Well, I hope the spare room is comfy at least. Don't kill me now, Dara, for bringing this up. But while Hunter has been going through this somewhat unfortunate week, or I hope it's only another week, dear God, I hope it's only another week. Um, it did remind me of the very first time we had a conversation about your ultra running career. And you told me the rather grim story, which I guess is common knowledge in that world, but certainly not to the uninitiated, which is that um, athletes of that caliber sort of just relieve themselves whenever they want during a race. Yeah, well, the idea, like talking specifically about 24-hour races, it's how far you can move in 24 hours. So stopping to take a piss doesn't seem like a great great strategy uh, in, in, in that sort of game. So, yeah, I mean, they pretty much just do it on the run. Now, a lot of the times it doesn't matter because there's nobody around except people who are involved in the race and they've all seen it, seen it a million times. But there was one occasion, the first time I ran the World 24-Hour Championships, where there was a fairly significant um, viewing public, let's say. It was in a tiny town in Quebec. And obviously, this was the biggest deal ever if you came from Drummondville. The fact that the World Championships of anything was being run in their obscure little town in Quebec. So they literally all came out and they were there for the full 24 hours watching and cheering, which is an incredible feat of endurance in itself. But it also meant that we had to sort of like readjust and think, okay, well, maybe I can't just like spray whenever I feel I, I need to go, which is quite often because you're drinking a lot of water. So the, 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 tr- the trick is to do it at the water stations because oh. people are running around, they're taking some water, they're drinking it and then they're splashing. And so there's lots of, lots of liquid around anyway. Nobody noticed a little bit of extra liquid trickling down your leg. Um, uh, so I, after a few laps, I noticed that literally everybody was doing that. So actually the, the, um, the water station had also turned into the smelliest portion of the lap. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's pretty grim. And obviously Paula Radcliffe made, uh, made, <laughs> made headlines years ago in, in London for, uh, for proving that when you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. And, and again, the general running public were just like, yeah, whatever. Why does everyone make a big deal? Yeah. There was such a, there was such a discrepancy between like normal people and athletes. Every athlete I knew went like, yeah, I mean, obviously this is what we do. Like sometimes you're out in a jog and you just pull into the bushes and there you go. Poor girl had no bushes to go into. So like, what, what are you going to do? But everybody else is absolutely horrified. Um, I remember thinking, though, it, it was almost like, uh, do you ever play Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo? And when you had, like, the bananas, and <laughs> yeah. the best place to drop the bananas was, like, yeah. 
on the corners. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, do people get strategic? Like, if, if, if you're getting down to the last few laps and maybe it's a bit close, do people start, like, trying to create things for each other to dodge? That's all over the water bottles so no one can use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that stage, everybody is in such a zombified state anyway that I don't think people would even notice. Like, they could literally be trudging through shit and they still wouldn't even register. Well, another topic that has come up in poker recently, I'm not sure if you've weighed in on this one, Neil, and actually, Darren, I don't think you have either, is real names. Obviously, Party Poker have done this series. So well, I guess it started with the Irish Open and now they kind of turned it into their uh, their normal power fest or whatever, that they're using people's real names. And I wondered if this is a good or a bad thing. My first instinct was it was really bad. And then some people made some reasonable comments of why it might be good but it still doesn't seem right to me what do you think neil um i, I like it for the stuff that's like that was going to be live anyway and uh, yeah okay online. Yeah. um i think i kind of agree that it, for everything it's probably not great Um it's kind of contradictory as well uh, from party a little bit that it's like you went through this whole thing about removing huds and changing everyone's names so you could have anonymity and you could <laughs> And you couldn't just like target the fish or whatever, which is meant to bring like pr pros win rates down so that the fish don't go as broke as quick or whatever. And now you've just now you make it real names. You get you know I can just look someone up on Facebook. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's like kind of a wee bit weird. So uh, I like it. I actually I enjoy it for like the higher stakes stuff where it's people you know anyway. Generally, where it's smaller stuff uh, because that's quite a small player pool anyway. So things like the poker masters that were on, um, you know, like there's not so much of a stigma of being a recreational player in those, because to be honest, if you're, if you're a fish that's playing a 50 K buy-in online, then you're already much better at life than everyone else in the field anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. You know, um, I mean, that's, that's my end goal is to be the, the whale reg in hundred case. Cause I've got so much fucking money that I don't care. Um, so stuff like that, I think it's really good. And I think it's good for, uh, for the spectacle. You know, I think it's a lot, you know, but it's like, if, for example, say like, you know, we've got the heads up match here and it's Phil Ivy versus Fader Holtz rather than crown up guy versus whatever Phil Ivy's fucking screen name is or something, you know, Baccarat 21 or something. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> so I think from that side, it's good. But I think if you're just playing like a 109, Tournament online, I don't, I don't like it as much, um, especially because like the lower in stakes you go, the more vitriol you get in the chat. And I yep. think having like real names and like twenty-two dollar buy-ins where it's just, oh, I hope you get fucking AIDS. Ha! I'm going. Oh, I've looked you up. I found your LinkedIn. You can't. I know where you work. Like that's. Gonna be <laughs> so I like. So I like it for the kind of the high live stuff, and I think leaving it alone for the other stuff is probably best. <laughs> Daryl, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree very largely with uh, what Neil said there. I, I mean, it's good in the sense of the events that were live, not just knowing who you're playing against, but also it, it allows coverage. Um, they were able to cover, for example, during the Irish Open on Poker News and Twitter when people bust out and so on, and it's better for people railing. I think it's, it's a, it would be pretty horrible across the board. Uh, as Niall said, when you go down to the lower levels in particular, the level of vitriol is just incredible. And like this could all end in tears when 
when fish a turns up at the house of fish b with a with a machete <laughs> because, because of a bad beat that happened in the big 11 the previous night uh, it's, although, although what a tabloid headline yeah i think there's some other aspects to it as well like uh one thing we've t- actually talked about in the race from time to time is the fact that far more females play online than, than than live and what what the reasons for that might be i think anonymity is a bit is one of the big reasons and now uh you know when when the, when a girl who's been played who's been playing perfectly anonymously for the last five or six years suddenly finds uh her name is being displayed as Stephanie, whatever, and some guy is, is hoping she gets AIDS because uh, her ace queen just beat his ace king. It's that there's there's a there's definitely a potential downside there as well. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's here to stay. Uh, I think during the lockdown in particular, and lockdown, not the lock-in in this case, uh, it, it probably makes a bit more sense too because we all have to sort of well, there's more exclusively live players, let's say, playing online again, and and this makes it feel more like the live experience to them, uh, particularly in home games. You know, people can pop up. Uh, chat with all their their mates and stuff, um, or if they're playing other games on the site with them. But yeah, I don't I don't see it as a long term thing for sure. I think anonymity is a is a large part of the appeal online. Yeah, expanding on that, it it does seem like Rob Young is certainly one of the great innovators in poker right now. But it also feels like he's a bit fickle, and he innovates and then he sort of changes his mind again and innovates in another way and. You well, he, he, run, he, he runs another poll and it says something different. So, well, yeah, no, yeah, no, he does have his polls and, and obviously they do uh, help guide him. But I, I, I'm just interested by that notion because I think from a player's point of view, they enjoy the sense of like, well, if we do contribute to a poll and it does come out a certain way, there's a chance that Rob might be very nimble and act and do something different. But there's also a sort of a lack of integrity in that notion because, well, one, he blocks a lot of people, so maybe he's got a very refined group of people who answer his polls. And two, if he does make a kind of a quick decision like that, maybe it hasn't been fully thought through. Did you ever think about that, Neil, in terms of like how operators run their business? Obviously, Rob is probably the most um, visible figurehead, if you like, of a site. Yeah. Um, I think with Rob, like, it's... I like... I like the fact that he is, he's trying to like, basically, it's hard to explain, but like when poker poker was when Rob picked up Party, just wasn't sustainable anymore, especially with the stuff that was happening over at PokerStars with Amaya and stuff. Yeah. Um, It it was getting completely run into the ground. Um, I like the fact that the things Rob does is aimed at, and I believe anyway, that he is trying to do what's best for the players. now, there are going to be issues with that because there's going to be hasty decisions made sometimes that don't work out. But I think as long as there's a constant feedback loop. So, like, if something happens, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying something and then if it's shite, you just change it back. You know, I think that's completely fine. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, you see all the stuff, the positive stuff party's done. Um, you know, I mean, I'm completely neutral here because I'm not affiliated with any site, so I can give them all shit if they're being shit or whatever, which is quite handy. But uh, Lovely fire away. Yeah, um, but like, you know, Poker Stars is just this kind of corporate machine now where it's just trying to slow, they don't give a fuck about poker anymore. They're just slowly trying to wean you over to sports betting and casino, which is fucking awful. It used to be the best site by far when Scheinberg's had it. It was fantastic. Mm. Um, all that good stuff. 
party is at least aimed at poker <laughs> and the things that are getting done like you know obviously they with the they, they try like the polls and stuff you know i don't it's not a very scientific boardroom way of running a company i don't think as much but i think that's actually more of a positive than a negative when it comes to online poker um as long as you know things such as like the integrity of the site and everything are done by the book and everything i think stuff like the policies like the schedules and stuff like that and um, being fluent and uh nimble as you say like we don't change i think it's actually a lot uh, more of a positive thing than a uh, than a negative thing so i'm actually quite a big fan of that in general there are going to be problems with it as before where it's like you know but it's you might think the thing is you might think something's a good idea and then for example the real names thing and then to say oh shit it's actually not that good an idea and there, there will be a bit of criticism for changing it so quickly but it's better that it gets quick if it's a shite idea it's better that it gets changed quickly <laughs> you know <laughs> and i think it's better that you try it if you know because i think it's been quite a big success at the higher stuff um so it's like it is kind of more art than science i think <laughs> party um but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in this industry but i again i play poker i don't run a poker site so it's tough for me to say but um I'd rather, let me put it this way, I'd rather, if I was looking for something to change for the good of the players, I'd rather be on any other site than Stars, you know. Well, Dara, we would obviously agree with Neil regarding that Stars stuff. We've both published plenty of blogs over the years, particularly, I'd say, in the pretty much Amaya period. As soon as Amaya took over, we sort of um, gave our two cents uh, a few times. And um, yeah, I, like I guess building a sustainable poker e ecology that's a kind of a weird word, but it, it does sort of apply in this is obviously important. And to what extent do you think that there's a sort of responsibility on all the sites to collectively behave in a sort of a greater goods sort of way, while at the same time scrapping away for market share? I think there's a large responsibility. And I, I actually, um, I, I did a podcast last week with a, a young guy, a Lithuanian guy who lives here in Ireland called Tomantas. And we talked about sort of where the poker industry has gone wrong in many respects. And one of the examples I pulled up was that, the way that it's dealt when sites have gone under, like in other industries, when a, when when a site or a major operator goes under, the other sites immediately uh, get together to to make sure that everybody gets paid out. That that happens in sports betting, for example. Uh, it happens in other industries, and therefore people in those areas are not as worried about their money, whether their money is safe or not. That's always a concern in in poker. You hear people saying, "Well, yeah, is my money safe?" Because we all, they obviously know about the high profile scandals. So I think. On that front, the industry as a whole has been very bad uh, acting collectively and understanding that it's in their collective interests uh, to, uh, to to cooperate on that stuff. I think the other thing that they've done really, really badly is just the overall marketing. For years, the, the marketing was aimed purely at, it seemed, 18-year-old males, as if they were the only people who might ever play online poker. And um, then they basically missed an entire generation, the millennial generation, and, and, and they've been scrapping around since trying to figure out where they're going to get people from. Um, I think the whole marketing has just been very, very ham-fisted as well. And it's something where, again, some sort of collective uh, approach would be much better than just sites trying to poach each other's uh, existing players. Um, again, it's obviously hard to do because they are competitors as well. But I think they would all be, well, all the sites would benefit a bit 
for a bit more cooperation and sort of a collective approach on that stuff and how the industry is presented in general. They've also been very, very bad lobbying. I mean, the reason why uh, online poker was ended up being banned in the States is that the online sites didn't get together and lobby uh, as well as, say, fantasy sports did um, for, for, for exemptions. And uh, that's something which has cost the poker industry a huge amount by, by not acting collectively. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Obviously, uh, maybe the, the the sort of sole trader aspect to what we all do ex extends to maybe the, the big players in the industry. The final thing I wanted to ask you both about was the World Series have obviously announced in the last week that they're postponing till the fall or the autumn. And the plan is to go ahead with that, assuming that America opens up, which is obviously a big question mark. They're not guaranteeing it, but that's the plan at the moment. Completely the opposite of that, Unibet, our sponsor, announced the movement of all of their online or all of their live games to online for the remainder of 2020, uh, including we would have had a December uh, Unibet Open, which some might think is far enough away. You could have maybe kept that on the schedule, maybe still kind of hoped that that one might be possible, but they just decided, no, we want clarity of vision on this. We want to just, you know, make a firm decision and, you know, February, I guess, would be our, our, our next live event uh, in 2021. And I, and I guess they're sort of planning for that while at the same time getting to focus completely on that switch across to online. What do you think of those two different attitudes? Um, from my point, I think, you know, uh, I think it's going to be very unlikely we see light, uh, poker this year, to be honest. Which is a shame, but it's just you know it's the in the big list of things that's not really that important compared to a lot of other stuff. Um, I think WSOP just makes so much money that they have to like as their you know the people in their business have a responsibility to try and get it to run if it's at all possible to be safe. Um, but I just don't I don't personally see I I, I think. Uh, poker room might just be the not the actual not worst thing you can do you can be yeah. in when you're playing yep. i mean they're all you i mean I, al I already get sick in vegas every year i go i think everyone does you get the, the real flu as it's known or the real aids um depending on how bad you get it and it's like <laughs> and there was legionnaires that one year yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's always like you know it's just not the most hygienic place to be in in general you know like um, so I just can't imagine until until there's a, a vaccine. I can't imagine there'll be there'll be a way to do it. But you know, Vegas and then makes so much money. I'm sure if they can figure a way out to do it, they'll do it. But well, to sort of expand the question slightly, then obviously, and I know already Dara is in agreement with the idea of. Uh, not playing for 2020 and, and, and would fully endorse what you just said, Neil. So to make it a bit more interesting, what do you think of the approach to sort of state your case like that up front and say 2020? A lot of sites I felt were, are going to inevitably make the same decision, but they're going to do a piecemeal every three months. And in my mind, it was like, well, the advantage of that is you're kind of like keeping some hope there for maybe your players who want to qualify for live things through the online site maybe just keep the optimism for having something to look forward to but then if that's going to mostly end up in it being cancelled again then that it kind of undoes it i don't know is it better to only plan three months ahead or is it better to make this kind of bigger uh, call that uni have 
I think it kind of depends on who you who you mean it's better for. Um, for the sides, it's better to obviously just keep, keep, keep kicking it, kicking the ball down the road or the can down the road because you can keep running satellites, you can keep uh, doing everything as normal. And there's still a huge amount of satellites being run for events, which we all know are not going to happen at the time, at least, that they're supposed to happen. Uh, I mean, as far as I know, stars still haven't cancelled um, the PSPCA or postponed it. Now, the idea that we could somehow have a tournament in August or whenever it is in Spain is just staggering. <laughs> Uh, that people would fly from all over the world and all over Europe to to to, to Barcelona. So uh, I can only assume that they're thinking, well, it just messes things up too much in terms of our existing online qualifiers and all that stuff. So it's better for us to at least pretend that it's going to happen. But I think it is unfair on players. It's unf- um, people are qualifying for tournaments now, and we, for all we know, they might not take part place in the next year we don't know how exactly when it's going to uh, take place at, at least make it clear that look this tournament is not going to happen when we say it's going to happen we don't know when it's going to happen um wsap until very recently was running satellites uh to to to, to events and claiming that they were going to go ahead in, in 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 a month or two which was obviously never ever going to happen so the whole thing has just been, I mean, I don't know whether it's sort of a collective denial. Obviously, it's human impulse to sort of uh, deny, going to denial at the start. But I'm, I'm certainly very happy that Unibet have worked through that very quickly and said, look, the best thing we can do is tell all our players these are not happening this year. The idea of live poker happening in 2020, for me, it's just a nonsense. Yeah. Uh, as Niall said, by far the worst possible atmosphere. It's not just the fact that you're piling people into close proximity, forcing them to sit next to each other, but you're also forcing them to pass cards and chips to each other um, uh, on, on a very, very regular basis. It's difficult to imagine. I, I honestly can't think of anything worse uh, in terms of infecting other people than, than a live poker event. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Even, I actually even an orgy to... seems like it might be uh, might be <laughs> I actually spoke to Joe Ingram um, this morning and was asking him about, obviously he's in Vegas, and what did he think? And I voiced my opinion to him that I thought WSOP 2021 was a sweat and he was in complete agreement. He thinks it's Mm. mad as well. Um, And obviously he's one of the more vocal people over there, admittedly with that slightly crazy and worryingly crazy mayor who happily open everybody up and make them guinea pigs for the rest of the country. It's scary. Yeah. Ah, well, I mean, if she does it, I'm excited to be the winner of uh, the World Series Maiden this year with 28 <laughs> runners. <laughs> that on the old CV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, even when live poker, even if they did start live poker up again, there's so many travel restrictions in place. Um, I mean, and then lots of people just, I mean, there's no way I'm going to, to the WSP this year. Oh. I don't care when they have it or how safe they say it is. Uh, I'm not going. And uh, until. Until we have a vaccine, this is going to keep coming back. Um, and we're not even sure uh, what the effectiveness of the vaccine will be uh, if, if, if or when it does arrive. So, I mean, the, 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 this, could, the, this could change life poker forever, not just for the, this period, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, on that unified note, 
I think we will draw to a close this third episode. Before we go, last week I had our backdrop, which was our like new logo thing that was making my head look funny. So I got rid of it this week and just went back to the good old dirty bedroom background. Neil, you were using one of those things as well when you first came on the call. Do you want to show our viewers maybe just very quickly, but you must keep in a very particular place. They'll understand what I mean in a second. Can you show them what we had to see when you arrived on our screens before this interview began? Yes, if I think I've just clicked something and it's made Zoom disappear though. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> we can still see you anyway if that's any consolation. How's it doing? I don't want to do that. I I've made you all tiny. I don't know what I've done. Well, yeah. You're You've big, managed so. to create tremendous suspense for this moment now. I know. I, I genuinely don't know how to make you bigger. Exit minimize but okay, that's not it doesn't exit the video, it just makes it big again. Okay, yeah, I had a let's see. Well, I had a couple on. Uh, the first one was... Uh, was uh, I know. No, no, no. Oh, no. Was, that uh, wasn't it. Everyone I was in the group with were all Rangers fans. So <laughs> was, uh, and then we had... Uh, I think everyone would now co classify this next one as um, a lockdown uh, culture piece. I think everyone will have seen this gentleman at some point throughout the, the lockdown. So here he is. <laughs> uh, for the good of our YouTube subscription, please do not move. Will <laughs> Farrell, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Daryl Kearney, thank you as usual. We will leave it there. Thank you. <laughs>